I want to tell you guys about Vita Mobile IV. Maybe you witnessed our very own RK, Ryan Konigsberg, experience a really rough hangover after the Broncos draft party at Blake Street Tavern. If you haven't, you can check it out on our Facebook account. But Vita Mobile IV came to Ryan's rescue, and I mean they really came through. Vita Mobile IV comes to your home, office, dorm room, wherever you need serious hydration. Vita Mobile IV is made up of professional, passionate and uh, people about preventative health and the benefits of IV therapy and alternative medicine. So Recover and recharge with Vita Mobile IV. Download their app, request a skilled IV drip therapist uh, to come over, sit back and relax because they come to you. Don't forget to use promo code HYD20 to save 20% off your first IV drip. So visit VitaMobileIV.com today to learn more or just download their app and book an appointment. Don't forget the code HYD20. What is up, everybody? Welcome to the DNVR Nuggets podcast. I'm your host, Adam Mates from thednvr.com, brand new venture. Um, me, Harrison Wynn, Brendan Vogt, doing all the Nuggets coverage for you. But today it's just solo, my first solo pod of the year. And I'm actually extremely excited about this. These solo pods, just so you know, following Nuggets games, I'll be doing, I'll primarily be doing solo pods. Sometimes, on certain occasions, it'll be all of us. But a lot of these, you know, my favorite type of podcast, and a lot of you that have followed me over from the Locked On Nuggets podcast know, I really like to dive deep into the X's and O's and maybe show you some of the things that you missed in a game with these game recap episodes. And so that's what I'm doing today. Yesterday we did a lot of cool stuff with the live show. If you haven't ke- uh, checked it out, you can see that. And you can kind of anticipate those for big games. We're not going to do these for every away game, but for certain games we're going to do this type of post-game show live from our lounge set, which I think is just totally awesome. Um, so you're going to want to start learning to follow us after games for that kind of stuff. Um, but to, but you know, yesterday's environment didn't really lend itself for great notes um, just because there was so much going on. We were learning this new format. So today I want to dive deep into all of this and you know going forward because we have premium you know this this podcast obviously for free you don't have to be a subscriber to dnvr um but i am going to be doing a lot more sort of notes sharing my notebook so a lot of the stuff that i i'm going to talk about today i'm going to explain in detail and there's probably some things you'll even remember from the game if you watched it closely but behind the paywall on the dnvr.com, I'm going to have some video and actually break these things down maybe in a little bit more detail. So you're going to want to check that out if, uh, if, if you're really interested in some of the stuff I'm saying. Today's episode is presented to you by Total Beverage. You're going to want to check them out. They do a lot of cool stuff with us, and they're also just an incredible liquor store. They've got everything, the best prices in town. Superstores. These places are superstores. They deliver to you, so you're going to want to check them out. They make this show possible. They make it so that you don't have to pay for it, so thank them by by, by visiting them. All right, let's get into the notes here. Um, to start with, Will Barton, there was a big question about who was going to start, and I think that I would not be surprised if on Thursday there was a different starter. I wouldn't be surprised if there was a different starter every game. Um, I think there's four games, and Malone is probably wanting to get big looks at everybody with different combinations. But for this one, he went with Will Barton. Now, Barton had missed um, some of the training camp because of this injury. So one of the questions was just how fresh and how how healthy does he look. We're going to talk about that in a little bit. But he did get the start, and that kind of tells me that um, I don't think the injury that he had in training camp, that hamstring strain, I don't think it was very serious. Um, maybe it was, but it just didn't seem like it. And I don't think they would have played him in this very meaningless preseason game if there was any type of lingering effects. Just wouldn't be worth uh, risking it. So he gets the start. Um, 
I'm going to fly through notes here. So if you, some of you guys, I'm sure there's a lot of new listeners that have never heard my shows before, but the way I like to do this, I'm going in literal order of my notebook. So I've got a note full of, uh, or a notebook full of notes from the game. And these aren't necessarily like all of my Barton notes at once. It's just going to be an order from sort of how I take them, because I think that's the best way to kind of walk through the game. So you know where we're at. Um, my first note on here, Jamal Murray, he had some really solid post defense on the first play. Jamal Murray is a sneaky good post player. Um, you know, he's 6'5", and I think in most you know most levels, 6'5 is really tall. A lot of times guards grow up being the tallest or one of the taller players on the court. And I think Jamal, you know, he's got a good post footwork offensively. He doesn't really go to it a lot. Maybe down the line and in the future, it's one of the things the Nuggets utilize a little bit more. But defensively, he just did a great job as a subtle thing, but he did a great job of anticipating which shoulder, um, I think it was Lillard, or, or that was going to turn and try to shoot over him. And he just anticipated it, defended it so perfectly. And it's not the first time I've seen him do that. He's a sneaky skill of his that doesn't come into play too often. Um he had he made a lot of concerning. Jamal Murray was actually terrible, so that's like my one good note. Jamal Murray was sneaky bad in this game, and I don't think. First of all, I should put this preface in there. This is preseason. All these notes are preseason. For a guy like Jamal Murray, he's proven it in the playoffs that he is, you know, a very good player. So whatever notes happen, if, if Nikola Jokic plays tomorrow and has a terrible game, we're not going to say, oh, oh no, what's is Jokic not good anymore? What happened? Um, nonetheless, we're still going to go through these notes. And in this game, Jamal Murray, there was a lot of things that you just got to go, man, is he... You know, is he just out of rhythm, or does he just not care? I mean, he's he's one of the team's better players, so is sometimes maybe for those guys preseason, you're not as locked in as say maybe like a Jared Vanderbilt or Jeremy Grant, guys that are new and trying to make an impression. But he had some really really weird plays throughout this game. He had a terrible post entry pass. This will certainly be in the notebook on the DNVR tomorrow. Um, he. This has been a problem with him for a while, and it's actually caused a little bit of like on-court frustration for Jokic in the past that Murray is a little too deliberate and too easy to read as a post defender when he's about to throw that post entry, and he had one early in this game where I saw it at half court. As he's dribbling the ball up, I'm thinking, dude, oh no, he's going to throw this like rolling post entry and it's going to get stolen, and sure enough, it, it, it was telegraphed and, and turned into a turnover. Um, So that was bad. I'll say Monte Morris... He, especially on rewatch, I thought in the first watch, I thought Jeremy Grant was the MVP of the game. On rewatch, I think maybe Monte Morris was the MVP of this game. He was phenomenal. One of my big questions with him coming in was just physically, how was he going to do? He had several plays where he outmuscled the defense. His very first score of the game, and and one where he not just created the contact, but absorbed it perfectly and then finished over the defense, gets the and one and converts it. Um, he just had a couple of those big muscle plays, and I thought it was really, really impressive, especially on rewatch, just how well he used his body. I hear he is up to 185 pounds. Um, you know, he's, he's solid. I know for a fact he, he's gotten rock solid. So um, maybe this is a, a, a weakness that I, he's still undersized, but maybe this is a weakness that uh, can be mitigated even more than I anticipated. We'll see. Um, but that Monte Jeremy Grant pick and pop is going to be deadly. The pick and roll is going to be deadly too. Um, Jeremy Grant, just so athletic, such long arms, and he does such a good job of, of sort of creating that rim gravity. But I thought the pick and pop with Monte was really interesting. I wonder a lot about 
just what some of the basic sets are going to look like, what what the team's tendencies are going to look like when he shares the court with Mason Plumlee, which I think he'll do a lot of. And one of the things about Jeremy Grant is he's a good pick and roll player. He can spot up in the corners. But if you run certain actions with him at the top of the key, you know, I don't know that you're going to have him rolling a lot if Plumlee's playing down along the baseline. Um, we call the spot right outside of the block between basically the the low block and the three-point line, the dunker spot. Um, in, in high school, you called it the short corner. I call it the dunker spot. And Plumlee will be down in the dunker spot a lot. That's the, that's the spot for a lot of, you know, uh, just a lot of bigs to kind of hang out, get ready for, for a rebounding position. Well, if you do that, I don't think you can roll Jeremy Grant a whole lot. So, so it was nice to kind of see that him and Monte had some nice chemistry and just that he they both have the skill set to really run that pick and pop and, and get open looks out of it. Monte, I thought, made great reads, knew when and how to hit him, hit him with great timing. And then Jeremy Grant knocked down, I think, all but one. So he took five three-pointers. He makes three of them. All three of the makes and four of the attempts came from above the break. I mean, they were they were top of the key, basically, and a lot of them came out of that pick-and-pop set. So I think that's going to be a real weapon, and I think just with, especially when he plays with Jokic, the, the talent that the Nuggets have on the roster, he's going to get a lot of those above-the-break threes uh, looks, and I, and I think he's going to knock them down. The best part about doing this show and being a part of DNVR, I get to promote Breckenridge Brewery, my favorite microbrewery. Um, fantastic beer, Strawberry Sky, and their Colorado Core won the summer. But guess what? It is getting the chill is in the air. The temperature has dropped, which means we're turning to my favorite beer, my favorite two beers, the Vanilla Porter and the Avalanche Amber, which I just like brown beers. I like malty beers. I'm not a big hops guy, um, but I like the malty beers. So those ones a little bit more of a malty taste uh, to them. They're just fantastic beers. Uh, you want to check them out. Oatmeal Stout, another one that I really, really like. Um, so look for that. Look for Breckenridge Brewery and, and check it out. And then send me, shoot me something on Twitter. Say, hey, Adam, I checked out, um, you know, Avalanche uh, Amber, or I checked out Vanilla Porter, whatever it is, Strawberry Sky. Snap a photo of it or just hit me up on Twitter and say, hey, man, good wreck. I enjoyed that one. Or if you hate it, let me know that, too. But they're a fantastic brewery, um, and, and they do a lot of cool stuff. And on top of that, they're one of our biggest sponsors. They're just always um, – I wouldn't even say sponsors. They're a partner. They're always doing really, really cool stuff. We had a tailgate last weekend for the Broncos game. Who shows up, of course, but Breck Brewery with tons of beer, just tons of beer to hand out to everybody. They make our watch parties incredible, and they're just a really, really cool local company. So you're going to want to check that out. Are you in need of a top dog electrician? For over 35 years, Piper Electric has been the most fairly priced, dependable, and trustworthy electrical contract companies in the Denver community. So if you call 303 646-6765. They will give you the DNVR back to school hookup and save you 20% off your next service call. No job is too big or too small for Piper Electric. They work with the top professionalism and integrity in the biz, whether it's residential, commercial, or industrial work. Don't forget, you got to call 303-646-6765 to receive 20% off your next service call. Welcome back to the DMVR Nuggets podcast. I'm, of course, Adam Matas, taking you through some notes from the first game of the preseason. On to Jared Vanderbilt. You know, one of the notes I have in here, he needs some work on his screening. 
he, he he's so raw, and of course he's missed those years. But um, and he's also incredibly skinny. He just has a really narrow like base on him in, in his hips and his legs. And a lot of times, I talked about this on a What Makes This Play Great series. If you missed that, you definitely want to check it out. It's up on our YouTube page. It's up on the DNVR.com. Free to everyone. You're gonna to want to see it. But um, he he did this where where I break down a play and go in great detail. Um. But one of the things I talked about is how when you set a screen in the NBA sometimes, not for everybody, certain types of players in certain situations, sometimes you don't make contact. What you're trying to do is release from the screen quicker than your guy can react. So it's almost like the screen is a decoy. You're trying to drag your defender and open a space and and release. And in fact, a lot of time with pick and rolls, that is what you're trying to do. You're trying to force your defender to show on the ball. Because otherwise, you know, you set the hard screen and then they turn the corner. You're trying to do that so that your defender jumps up. But as soon as they jump up, you release on it. Where Vando is so quick to release, but it's only going to work if he sets up the screen a little bit better. And I think right now with as narrow as his hips are and his frame, he needs to be better actually making contact on the screens to sort of make it that when he slips is more effective. A lot of his screening is almost no impact. It's just so easy to get around him right now. Um, and then also just his sc- screen awareness. There's some times where it, it, the timing of it, it, it is so important. You want to hit the defender at the exact right moment. You want to kind of disguise the angles on this. He just has a lot, I think, to learn. These are the types of things that really make a difference, especially for bigs and especially for role players. And it's a thing that he is two years behind because he's had two years off because of that foot injury. So um, anyway, detail on there. Um, he released on a screen from Tory Craig super fast. And it's one of those ones where he wasn't filling the defense. And on top of that, also Tory Craig, you know, the defense isn't going to respect Tory Craig. You got you screen differently for Jamal than you do for um and Gary Harris than you do maybe for a guy like Tory Craig. And it just seems like he's always going at hundred miles per hour. And that that speed thing is also an issue for him. He tends to play at one speed. He's incredibly fast. He's got a great motor in that he's always kind of playing hard. But I think that he would really benefit from learning how to play slow. Um, the slow movements that that set up the quick ones. You learn this, obviously, at very low levels in basketball. About It's not always the quickest guy on the court. It's the guy that can change up the speeds. And that's what's really hard to sort of keep up with. Well, I think for him in particular... There was one play where he has to flash from the block to the elbow. And, uh, you know, there's a way you do this in that you kind of post up, uh, you give a little nudge to the defender, and then you release to that elbow spot. Um, Well, he just kind of like sprints at full speed the whole time, and it was just easy for the defender to predict and kind of pushed him off of that spot just a little bit. So little things like that, you know, um, he has a lot to learn about these little nuances of the game. I thought Malik Beasley took some very questionable shots in this game. Um, him, Jamal Murray, Will Barton, all of them I thought, and maybe this was just because Nikola Jokic wasn't in there and they had to work a little bit harder for shots, or they just, maybe it was because of the first game of the preseason, but Beasley had a quick trigger on some shots that I thought, man, I really hope he's not taking those. One of the questions with Beasley this season, you know, I thought in his first two seasons, he didn't feel the game very well. I thought last year, what helped him make such a big leap is he really scaled back his game and he really knew, you know, picked his spots wisely. Well, if he's not doing that again this year, and look, it's one preseason game. Of course, I'm not jumping to any conclusions, but it was a note I have in my notebook. If he's back to, okay, now I'm going to try to expand my game again, you know, this is always the tough part for a player knowing you mastered the most foundational level of offense. Now you have to add to it without overdoing it, and, and at least in this first game of the preseason, I thought he overdid it three or four times, actually. Um, 
Vando is a Vando Vanderbilt. He's a lot better of a passer with his left hand than his right. And if you recall that first bounce pass he had with the Nuggets last season in the regular season, that one that went full cross court on the run, left handed. He is a lefty, um, and he put some power behind it. Well, he had almost an identical situation in this game, but it was a right-handed pass, and he couldn't make it, so instead he threw it two-handed. It double-bounced um, on its way to Monte Morris. Monte scoops it up and ends up getting an offensive foul. The foul was on Monte. It t- turns into his turnover, but it was really Jared Vanderbilt who kind of ruined a fast break because of that double-bounce. So just a little thing like that. I mean, again, that's that's another sort of skill that he's in the age where he's going to start learning those things, but it was at least a noticeable thing. If I was defending him, especially in the open court, I would really force him to that right hand um, just knowing that I can sort of cut the court in half on him. Um, the Vando Grant lineup, so Vanderbilt and Jeremy Grant, Jokic wasn't playing, so Plumlee played a lot of minutes. Zeller played some minutes. Um, but they did go to the small ball lineup that I don't know, especially this year, I don't know if we're going to get a lot of that. But boy, is that an athletic lineup. Those two guys are super long, super athletic, super fast, and just have great motors. You're talking about two guys that are going to absolutely wear people out when they are on the court because of how hard they play, just how skinny they are and how much they can run nonstop, crashing the boards. Um that that lineup was a lot of fun. In fact, the lineup with Monte Morris, Malik Beasley, Tory Craig, Jared Vanderbilt, and, and Jeremy Grant, probably the most athletic lineup that a Nuggets team has had in a decade. You know, Denver's had some very athletic players, and they've had a you know a couple two three man combinations. But every single person there, Monte Morris, the least athletic guy there, and he's I think he's an, a very very solid athlete. But Malik Beasley, dunk contest caliber player. Torrey Craig, an extreme athlete as well. Vanderbilt and Jeremy Grant, both extreme athletes. So you throw those guys out there and there's just so much speed, so much quickness, and so much ability to sort of play vertical, um, challenge shots at the rim, cover a lot of ground, and then just the game is being played at the rim level or above when those guys are on the court. And this to me was the story of game number one. And I think it's something that this is a conclusion I'm willing to jump to off of preseason. The Nuggets have lacked athleticism over the last couple years. They've had athletic players, but they just as a whole have, I think, been below average athletically. I think with the simple addition of Michael Porter Jr., Jared Vanderbilt, Jeremy Grant, this team is now an actual pretty long and athletic team. It's crazy what just a couple players can do to that. So um, so it was really, really cool. The funny thing is I'm going to get to a lineup later on that was even more athletic than that, and that's what's so exciting about this team this year. Um, Vanderbilt still looks lost. At, uh, that's kind of a running theme here. But there was a couple plays where – um, he sets a screen and then you can tell everybody's kind of yelling at him like, hey man, what are you doing? You're not supposed to be there. Um, so this was a criticism of him that uh, I sort of noticed in the pre- in the summer league that I'm not sure he mentally fully gra- – I think he's one of the guys that's a little bit behind the rest of the group in terms of just – and he's young. He's basically a rookie. I think he's a little bit behind on some of the – He's getting a PhD right now, and he skipped his like undergraduate degree, right? That, that's kind of the metaphor I would use. Jamal Murray's shot selection so wild in this game. Again, I don't. Uh, we know what Jamal Murray is at his best, but in this game, he had a couple really weird ones. You know, he worked out with Kobe over the summer, and I saw a play in here that oh my god, it looked exactly like Kobe. The footwork, the way he walked you know, like into the shot. It just, there was so much Kobe in it. I thought, oh my God, look at this. I'm going to put that one up obviously in the notebook and you'll see it. If you were a player, a person like me who kind of um, really watched the Kobe era closely. 
And I don't mean this as like, oh, he worked with Kobe and now he's ruined his game or anything like that. Please do not interpret it this way. Um, there was one specific shot that he took, of course, a mid-range sort of fall away early in the shot clock that I thought, my goodness, man, that the footwork, everything, the mannerisms, it really, really, really uh, you know, looked like, like Kobe. Murray's focus was off, too. At one point, he tried to throw a behind-the-back pass, gets it t- deflected, doesn't really run after it, and then gives out a run out. I mean, he just... In this game, it looked like he wanted the night off too. Not just uh, he, he was jealous that Jokic got the night off. You guys know how supporting local businesses in our DNA here at DNVR. We're super excited to tell you about Denver Rubber Company, and it may not be what you think it is. Denver Rubber Company is the most reliable local partner for your long-term projects. Since 1972, Denver Rubber Company has provided the highest quality of products from custom die-cut gaskets, molded rubber to custom contract manufacturing and custom hoses. DRC offers innovative solutions to serve a diverse line of industries, including aerospace, space, pharmaceutical, construction, medical, military, electronics, and so much more. In search of a certified company that will work with you from design to final product that is both cost-effective and will meet your requirements, if you're in need of a custom design, material selection for your project, or have a deadline to make for a larger order, do not hesitate to call Denver Rubber Company. Call them today, 1-800-259-0010, or visit them at drcfirst.com slash dnvr. And make sure you tell them who sent you. Gary Harris missed a few angles on the pocket passes in the pick and roll in this one. And, you know, again, the first preseason game, that's probably all I'll chalk it up to. But that's one area where of growth where I think his game can really take off is if he can kind of in- improve on those pocket passes and just improve as a pick and roll playmaker. He's such a good finisher um, and he can make the basic reads. But if he can start being a more reliable guy um, in the pick and roll to where you feel great when he's coming off of that uh, that screen, that he can not just score but make passes, that takes down to a whole new level. Michael Porter Jr. now. We're into the section of the notes where he gets into the game, so of course this gets even more fun. Um, One one note I have in here, my first note, is actually that he got lost on a very simple play. I'm going to have this up on the notebook. But there was one play where he switched in a situation in which he would never switch. I mean, it was such an obvious... You know, there's bad reads all the time, and then there's bad reads like this that happen, like really egregious ones that happen from time to time. But the fact that it happened almost immediately when checking into the game, I thought was really, really noteworthy because it was one of those things where you think, man, I know the NBA game's tough, but that one, that was pretty elementary. Um, Grant threes, I, I mentioned how many of them came from the top of the key. I just think he's going to get so many of those opportunities this year. And I, I, One of my big takeaways from this game was just, I, I, I thought this going into it, but watching it a second time and really getting into the weeds of it, Jeremy Grant's just such a great fit. What an elite fit he is with this Nuggets team. I cannot wait. I think I am as excited to see him and Jokic play tomorrow. Presumably they'll both play tomorrow, um, if you're listening to this Thursday night. Um, you know, I'm so I'm as excited for that as I am to see MPJ and Jokic play together. In a lot of ways, there's a lot, and I'm going to talk about it here in a bit. There's a lot about MPJ that gets me intrigued about his fit with Jokic, but Jeremy Grant, I just think immediately is a guy ready to go out of the package. That's kind of that perfect fit. 
So I mentioned there was a more athletic lineup than the one I mentioned earlier. Monte Morris, Malik Beasley, Michael Porter Jr., Vanderbilt, and Grant. My goodness, is that some athleticism. MBJ is a super athlete, by the way. You know, he's got the bad back, you know, that he's kind of working through, but it's like he's still a super athlete. That's the crazy thing about it. He's still vertical as a windmill. Beasley, a super athlete. Vanderbilt and Grant, obviously. That unit, there was a stretch in there where that unit held Portland scoreless for, like, I don't know, four minutes or something. And so much of it had to do with just the length. And, and of course, guys like Vanderbilt, they're trying to really make a name for themselves. And um, they're just flying around. Grant always playing hard. The the amount of deflections and block shots. Somehow Jeremy Grant got credited with two blocks. I think he had like six. Um, maybe some of these they didn't count as blocks. Just I don't know what they were the challenges, but they weren't actually technically blocks. I don't know. But um, th- that unit just had so much length and so many deflections. The amount of ground that Jeremy Grant can cover, he's kind of – I mean, it's Millsap-esque. You, you know, Millsap's not the the athlete that Jeremy Grant is, but he's just so good and so smart defensively that he's always his anticipation level is so high. Jeremy Grant kind of the same way in that there was a lot of plays I have clipped and ready to share tomorrow that – where he covers so much ground, and it was really, really impressive watching him um, use his defensive mobility. It was a, some. There's very few players that I think are fun to watch defensively. Jeremy Grant's one of them. He's fun to watch defensively, and when you throw guys like Vanderbilt and MPJ around him, it, it just it, it amplifies all of that. There were so many plays where I kept wanting to swap out Zeller for Jokic. And it was almost frustrating at the end of this game of just being like, man, Tyler Zeller's kind of ruining. He's he's the, he's a, a buzzkill when he was out there because there were some plays where it was just like, you know, Michael Porter Jr. had some really good cuts, and this is what made me intrigued. He had a lot of really good cuts that got went unrewarded, um, meaning he cut into open space. I saw it on the, you know, watching the film the second time, I was like, oh man, that's a great cut. He had great instincts on this play, but of course, there was nobody there to deliver him that pass. So, uh, like, like I said, I, I, I see what people talked about. Jokic said that he thinks he can be the best cutter on the team. Not that he is right now, but that he can be, and I kind of see it. He does have. Um, Scorers tend to have this. They they know that like certain things they do, like certain moments you work hard, you're going to get rewarded with with shots and and points. And he sort of has that in him. So he had a couple really good, um, you know, crashing the boards where he had great timing. He just saw his defender turn his head and just made the perfect angled cut to get in rebounding position. He had a couple really good cuts in, in some convoluted, you know, uh, like just quick timing, really good sense of it. So um, I was really really excited about that. One one negative I, I have in here, and this was a big negative on the scouting report coming out of high school and, and even coming into the NBA. I remember Mike Smith, who's probably the best sort of in the public sphere, the best draft analyst out there. One of the things I remember him talking about was that Michael Porter Jr. tends to take a lot of plays off when, like for box outs, for example. Um, and, and in this game, there was one play in particular. Shot goes up. He has perfect position to just kind of put a body on, on his man and almost certainly you're going to grab the rebound. Well, he, for whatever reason, he didn't. And he just, he didn't box out at all. And he gave a 90% probability of grabbing a rebound and he turned it into not getting the rebound and not even really coming close to it. And those are the type of plays I think that really concerned me with him because I just remember seeing that was one of the big things that stood out to about him as a prospect. So um, he can be a very good rebounder, but he doesn't seem always committed to it. Um, 
there was one play I want to talk about with Jeremy Grant where he covered up a baseline out of bounds. So I talk about him covering up all the space. He covered up a base. The ball's in, inbound on the baseline on the left side. Jeremy Grant's guarding somebody, I think, in the corner on the uh, on the opposite side. So he's far away from the ball. I don't remember who gets broken down but beat to the basket on a cut. And the guy goes up thinking he has a nice, easy lane at the basket. And now, because they didn't have the baseline camera set up for this preseason game, I didn't get a replay for it, or at least in the in the, in the the broadcast I was watching. I actually used Synergy to rewatch this game, not, not the ESPN one. But um, So I didn't get a closer look. But either way, what happened was either the player went up thinking he had an angle to sneak the ball in, but Jeremy Grant just covered so much ground that he blocked it, or what might have happened is he saw Jeremy Grant coming, but Grant took a perfect angle. He basically both contested the shot, at, the help side shot at the rim, while also cutting off the kickout pass to the guy that he just helped off of. It was an elite level defensive play, and he did it all within the you know a split second. It was it was one of those plays that just really really jumps off out at you when you rewatch it. And I thought, oh man, this guy really just so impressed with Jeremy Grant, so impressed with him. Wancho was really quiet in this game, but he still makes so many winning plays. Uh, Wancho's a guy. I, I'm gonna. I mean, I'm. I'm. I. I really, really think there's a ton of value to him, and his stats are never going to pop. I mean, rarely will pop. Sometimes he'll get hot and knock him down. He didn't knock down his shots in this game, but he just made so many cuts that opened up the other guy, and so many quick reads. There was one play that I think everyone will remember. I can't remember who gets the offensive rebound, kicks it out to Wancho, who makes a quick chest pass to a cutting, either Beasley or Morris. I can't remember which one, and it was just one of those plays where it was a simple, basic play, but he's always in the right spot, and he always sort of sees where the play is evolving, and it, it was just a great, great play by him, and he had so many of those. And then a, a couple defensively, MPJ, I think, really needs to learn to use his length. He's six foot ten, six foot eleven, and there was a couple plays where he was so up and into the ball, and maybe he's being coached this way, but I think for a guy like Gallo, Gallo, you rarely looked at and said, oh man, he's making all these great defensive plays. Look at the pressure he's putting on the ball. But Gallo was so tall that he knew he could sag off you a certain amount and still get his hands up and contest and you still have to jump over and shoot over his long reach. I think Michael Porter Jr., to be an effective perimeter defender, is going to have to be the same thing. He's going to have to learn that you give this big cushion and and, and you can, um, you know, gives it increases your margin of error. Instead, he was up into guys a little bit and he just got blown by. I mean, his foot speed defensively for as athletic as he is, it does not translate to the defensive end very well, especially in those types of circumstances. And then there was one other play. Um, I can't remember who it was kind of dribbles into him. He did a good job of providing a padding, but then he reaches in for like a steal or a block or something. And just, again, if he, it's, it's an awareness thing because for some players, this is natural. If you get a guy to pick up his dribble in no man's land, 16 feet from the basket, which is where this was, you get him to pick that up and you're taller than that player by, especially when you factor in the reach, your arms up in the air, you're taller by like a good foot. This is the perfect position. You are like in a 95% chance that you are going to force them into a turnover or a bad shot and you're going to go the other direction. If you reach you might get the steal. Maybe you have a 20% chance of that steal, but you also have a huge chance of not converting that play. So it's one of those things where he's got to learn. You can just tell he doesn't know how to use his defensive length to his advantage just quite yet. And then my last note in this notebook, don't take Monte Morris for granted. He was so good. And having a backup point guard that is a starter level caliber player or just a low mistake or like a super, super high end backup point guard, it 
so many teams don't have this. Most teams don't have this, and it really completely changes the way you can operate. Monte Morris, so good. He made so many just smart, basic plays, and when he was on the court, I felt like no matter who else was out there, they looked good. Vanderbilt, you know, a very raw player. When he was with Monte, he looked good. Jeremy Grant looked like a star. Um, Monte Morris, just so, so, so good, such a good player, and uh, it was kind of a joy to watch him. That's it. I hope you guys enjoyed this notebook edition of the show. I want to encourage you to subscribe to thednvr.com. We have some great content there. If you subscribe now, it's $3.74 a month. We send you a free t-shirt. We got a really cool We Don't Skip Steps t-shirt that you're going to want to purchase. Really, really cool. If you've never bought one of our shirts, um, they're printed on the best quality shirt you, you're ever going to have. You're going to love the way this shirt feels. It's going to be the favorite shirt in your closet. So comfortable. And then the design is awesome. We Don't Skip Steps. That's the mantra for the 2020 Denver Nuggets. And I think it's just so perfect. And the design that D-Line Co. threw up. Best in the business, D-Line Co. He's just such a creative guy. So you're going to want to check that out. And then, of course, subscribe because tomorrow I'm going to have up my notebook with film study and some really, really cool stuff. You're not going to want to miss it. Thanks, everybody. We'll see you tomorrow with a brand new episode.